shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. This is my favorite part of the message. It's the end. And I guarantee you there are some of you have been in church for 20, 30 years and you've never seen the scripture. As you go through the Old Testament, now remember the context? We're saying that there can be life after divorce and fractured relationships, and there can be completeness and wholeness and a life well lived. And all through the Old Testament, what is the number one metaphor used to describe God's relationship with his people? Marriage. I betrothed you. The bride, the bridegroom. And even through the New Testament, still a primary metaphor. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining me again for more messages from Pastor Jeff. And in this episode, he's continuing to look at marriage. God wants our marriages to work, but unfortunately, sometimes that just doesn't happen. Pastor Jeff's message is on divorce the reasons it happens, and specifically what Jesus said about it. And it gets us thinking seriously about who we enter the covenant of marriage with. No matter your relationship status, there's something in this for all of us. Let's hear the rest of this message now with Pastor Jeff. Nobody wanted your marriage to work out more than God, but God is not going to make your husband or wife do anything they don't want to do. Ultimately, the freedom of choice is up to us in the same way that Jesus offers salvation to all who call on his name. Reconciliation can happen in every marriage when there are two people who want it to work. By the way, if your marriage is in trouble right now and you've not gone through the divorce, you know, you can save it, but it takes both of you. If one wants and the other has no interests... You're beating your head against the wall. It takes two people who want this marriage to work, which is why it's important to marry somebody who respects the covenant of marriage from the day one. Number one, you got to forgive your spouse. Number two, you got to make your peace with God. Number three, don't give up on marriage. Listen, you had a bad marriage. I don't know why it ended, but it did. And regardless of the reason it ended, you're on the other side of it now. And God loves you, and I'm going to show you how much just in a moment. But don't give up on marriage. Don't give up. What, Pastor Jeff? Are you saying that God may send me someone? Yes, I am. There might be somebody out there for you. The Bible says, remember the first malediction, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for woman to be alone. The reason you desire a soulmate, the reason you desire somebody is because you were created in the image of God. You actually made like that. Did you know that? You say, oh, I went through one marriage. No way I'm going to go through another one. Don't give up on marriage. 
I asked my wife once, I said, what would you do if I died? Would you remarry? That's a stupid question to ever ask a spouse. I just <laughs> And first she said, no, I just sit home and cry all day for the rest of my life. And I said, no, really, would you? And she goes, no, there's no way I could train two children up in the way they should go. <laughs> Don't give up on marriage. But at the same time, you have to make sure that you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you because there's no way he's going to put you in another relationship. Remember, 70% of marriages that happen after a first marriage is broken up, end in divorce again. And before God can trust you for this to happen again, there's a few things you got to do. Number one, have you assessed your responsibility in the breakup? There are usually three sides to a divorce, his side, her side, and the real side. All of us are culpable to some degree. The, the role you played in the breakup may be minimal, but it's still there. And before you're ready for another relationship, it is best to find out what you're bringing into this new one. Walk over and sign up for marriage counseling. Have a marriage, somebody that will walk you through life coaching and marriage and help you discover some of the things that are in you that make it difficult to be married to you. I know for me, I'm a very difficult person to be married to. Thank God my wife made a covenant. <laughs> All right, I'll use Dr. Phil. I know you like him. Until you do an autopsy on your last marriage, you are bringing the dead body into the next one. He's right. You got to do an honest assessment. Now, here's the second one. And I know some of you are going to say, well, you're a pastor. You have to say this. I just got to tell you, you know, I love you and Jesus loves you. And man, I want you to know what it is to have the abundant life here. I do. But I got to ask you some serious questions from time to time. And this is one of them. I don't get it. How can you call yourself a Christ follower and sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're not married to? Uh, why? What are you doing? Why? Okay, I guess what you're doing is saying, well, in this one area, I'm not going to obey God. I'm going to go at it on my own. Why would you do that as a Christ follower? Because you understand that when he gives parameters, it's for you to live the best life possible. So why would you violate somebody that you trust? That's the thing about God. A, a, a God who would send his son to die for you is trustworthy. I don't understand it. Jesus was clear on this. Even in Matthew 19, we looked at it last week. Haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. So it goes all the way back to Genesis 2. And then he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united. There's that word cleaving, make a public declaration of unrelenting, undying love publicly. And until you do that, you're not married to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Do you see the order? The public covenant happens first, and when you're married and you've made that commitment, then the two become one. So I don't get it. Can God trust you if he sends you somebody else that you're going to remain pure in your sexuality? And if you say, well, I don't think he can trust me in that, well, then why would he send you somebody? He would be an enabler. It amazes me when people say to me, Pastor Jeff, you don't get it. I'm getting a little older now. My options are limited. And if I don't sleep with him or her, I, uh, the relationship won't keep going. That's not the one you want anyway then. And here we are again. You're taking matters into your own hands and you're telling yourself that you're smarter than God in this area. What's really disheartening about that, folks, is that we've already said in our Blessed Life series that whatever you take, if you take, no matter how big or how small it is, and you give it to God, 
What, what happens? It's supposed to just grow and develop and run over because you've given that thing to God. If you want God to open the windows of heaven and bless your finances, bless your relationships, bless your job, bless whatever it is, if you want something small to grow and just keep heaping over and over, running over and filling into your lap, then that is the thing you have to give to God. If you don't give your relationships and purity in those to God, then why do you expect him to open the, uh, the, the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you? You've already said you're going at it your own way. So young single guys, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you're not married to her, and you want God, you want God to involve himself in your life, in your relationships? Forget it. You still go to heaven, still forgiven by the cross of Jesus Christ, yeah, but forget it. God is not an enabler. You want a second relationship. Okay, you've been through the fracture of one, and now you're going to sleep with this new man or this new wife, and you want God to honor you. Forget it. It doesn't work like that. Are you saved? Yeah. We go to heaven, yeah, through the blood of Jesus Christ, yeah. But you're entering into what is known as willful sin. You're saying, I know what is right, but I'm going to do this my own way. I'm just saying, don't expect God to come down, open the windows of heaven, and start pouring out his blessings on you. The person that you're thinking about marrying the second time, are they Christ-centered? Well, no, no, but he's really handsome. <laughs> oh, she's really pretty. And like I said, Pastor Jeff, my options are limited. You know what you're doing? You're taking it into your own hands again, and you're not learning any lesson from the first time, which is why 70% of second marriages end in divorce. I want to help you, and I want you to recover, and I want you to have the life God wants for you, but you've got to forgive your spouse. You've got to not give up on marriage. You've got to make your peace with God. And part of that not giving up on marriage is remain pure until the marriage. And then the gift is yours. Until then, it's stolen waters that do not belong to you. And you'll give an account. You will give an account. And then fourth and finally, remember that God knows your pain. This is my favorite part of the message. It's the end. And I guarantee you there are some of you who've been in church for 20, 30 years and you've never seen the scripture. As you go through the Old Testament, stay with me. Now, remember the context? We're saying that there can be life after divorce and fractured relationships, and there can be completeness and wholeness and a life well lived. And all through the Old Testament, what is the number one metaphor used to describe God's relationship with his people? <clears throat> Marriage. I betrothed you. The bride, the bridegroom. And even through the New Testament, still a primary metaphor. The problem is, the Bible says that even though God loved his people, according to the book of Hosea, chapter four, verse one, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, there is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. And then he goes on to describe the depth of his love for his people in Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved them. And out of Egypt, I called my son. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. He's saying, I loved my people to such a degree. I nourished them. I taught them. I grew them up, and I held them in my arms. But their response to me was this. Next verse in Hosea, a spirit of prostitution is in their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. Now, what was God's response? This is going to shock a lot of you. God's response can be found in Jeremiah 3.8 when he said, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. 
You know what God is saying? To all divorcees, you have something in common with God. He's trying to say to you that he knows what it's like to have somebody break their commitment, covenant, and vow. He knows what it's like to be in a relationship with hard-hearted people. He knows what it's like for somebody to break their marriage vows. He knows what pain and betrayal are like. And he's saying to all of those who have been through divorce, he knows your pain, he knows your frustration, but hold on. There's another message. Someone has written that if you know the story about Hosea, you know that he was a prophet of God and God required him to marry who? A prostitute, Gomar. And he did because God wanted to use his life as a vivid picture and imagery of what God's relationship had become with Israel, that of a lover and a prostitute. And so one day some men are coming back. They've just been to the brothel to enjoy the pleasures of Hosea, the prophet's wife. And they meet him on the road as he's going to the temple. And they look at Hosea shaking their heads and they say, Hosea, we just ain't, we can't figure you out. I mean, we've just come from the brothel, enjoying the pleasures of your wife, all of us. And now here you are getting ready to go to the temple. Tell us something. How on earth is it that a man like you could be hooked up with a girl like that? And Hosea's response is, I'll tell you what, I'll answer your question if you answer mine first. Yes. He said, tell me how a God like that could be hooked up with the people like us. It's God's way of showing us. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to suffer the consequences of an unfaithful spouse. And it wounds my heart to a great degree to know that in the church for years, we have separated people into two categories. On one hand over here, you have the superior non-divorced first-class Christians. And over here, you have the inferior, beat-up, divorced, second-class Christians. And I'm saying to you, that is theologically errant, and it is spiritually damaging. Because according to the word, we are all divorcees. We've all been unfaithful to God. And there's no first-class and second-class citizens. We're all in the same boat. We're adulterers. We turn to idols other than God. We are unfaithful to the God who loves us so much. And there are times in our life when we give worship, ultimate worth to something or someone other than God, we have all been unfaithful. And it's God's way of saying, so if you're gonna treat divorced people different than undivorced people, then you better understand something. We're all, all divorcees, all of us. Now, let me say something. Number one, some of you, before you leave here, need to repent. You need to repent because you made a covenant with your wife or husband and you broke it. And in God's eyes, that's serious business. You understand? You didn't leave your husband or your wife because he beat you or she beat you, or he was a drug dealer. You left just because you wanted to move on. You had troubles and you didn't want to work with them. It's all about you. That marriage probably could have been saved, but it wasn't. So you need to repent. Now, I want you to know something. If that's you, there's forgiveness through the cross. The same cross is going to heal those who are the object of a broken relationship is the same cross that's going to forgive you for inflicting pain on somebody that should have never been inflicted. Maybe you left your wife for another woman. Maybe you left your husband for another man. You broke your covenant. Repent. 
But when you do repent today at the cross, then don't bring it up again. It's over. God loves you and God restores you to the power of the cross. Do you understand? There's another group in the room though. You need healing because you did not want your marriage to end and your husband cheated on you, your wife cheated on you, or something happened to where the fracture came, the poison was so deep, amputation was necessary to save the lives of you and your children. What you need to do is feel the freedom and the healing that the cross brings. It not only frees from guilt, but it frees from the power of sin over your life. Embrace, embrace the freedom. Forgive your spouse. Make your peace with God. Don't give up on marriage and know that God knows what it is to hurt like you're hurting and bring it to the cross before you leave and let it go. In heaven's name, let it go and let tomorrow be a new day and a new life. You can't go back and undo what's undone. You can't go back and break up the marriage of your spouse and reconcile. That's not what your job is. He or she's already gone on with their life. You gotta go on with yours. Move on and let God heal you and look forward to what tomorrow might bring. And then there's a third category. The number one cause of poverty in America is fathers who father children and then leave the home and leave the single mom to take care of those kids without any financial assistance. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Don't you dare call yourself a Christ follower if you fathered three, two, one child and you're gone now and you pay no attention or no resource to that child. Okay, you got another marriage. I understand that but those children are still yours and you are responsible for those kids. One of the reasons our government and our land is in such physical and such spiritual and such economical disarray is because we are expecting the government to do stuff we're supposed to be doing. You fathered those kids, they're yours. You take care of them. They're your children. Oh, but my wife cheated. Okay, you divorced, it didn't work out, but they're still your kids. Don't blame the kids. They're still yours. Let me tell you how serious this is in scripture. There's a verse in the book of James that says this, but anyone who won't care for his own relatives when they need help, especially those living in his own family, has no right to say he is a Christian. Wow. Wow. That's pretty serious. So if you're in this room and you call yourself a Christ follower and you've got kids somewhere out there that you're not supporting or helping, start writing the check Monday morning. And just because the government only requires you $150 a month, that's a joke. You go and do the right thing, not the legal thing. Because I guarantee there's some children somewhere that need your help if you're not helping. God hates divorce, the Bible says, because of what it does to people. But he also knows that there's forgiveness at the cross, there's redemption at the cross, and God then would make a covenant with his people that would never end. I'm telling you, if you've been through divorce and fractured of a relationship, there is hope on the other side, man. God loves you, forgives you. You got to move on now. Move on. If you caused it, if you were the brunt of it, move on. And if you will, you can have new life. I want you to meet somebody who did that just quickly, just quickly. My husband and I were married for about 14 years. Um, before problems started. And um, we got along really well. We um, enjoyed raising our girls together. Um, I found out five years later, which it was a long 
kind of tough time uh, that he had cheated on me. And because of that, his attitude towards me changed. Um, he um, started acting like there were problems with me. And uh, so that was really tough for my security, my, my uh, self-confidence um, affected my daughters because they saw it happening. And so um, I finally filed for divorce. Um, it turned my girls' world upside down. They understood it because they knew the reason for it because they had heard of the fighting. But it still, it was so tough. They were in high school. One of the things that I am very aware of that the divorce caused was my lack of trust. Because I trusted my husband to be married for the rest of our lives. We made a promise. Promise, and it's it was really hard when I realized he hadn't kept his promise, and it is a struggle sometimes to believe in God's promises because of it. So that's a struggle that I have. Um, once we started coming back to church, and I watched my girls accept Christ, I I think I started. Um, just forgiving my ex-husband, um, forgiving myself for turning my back on God. I feel that God can use me more right now because I'm single. And that's okay. Um, I'm okay with that because my relationship with God is just so much better right now. I am extremely proud of the woman that Kathy has become, and uh, she's on our staff here, and she volunteers a lot back in the tech booth, but it is amazing how she's overcome, and she can't tell you the whole story, and she wouldn't on the screen, but it's amazing what she has done and how far she's come, and I'm just saying to you that everybody who's been through a rough divorce, that uh, God says that he will heal you if you will let him, and it happens at the cross. Father, I thank you so much for the power of your love. I thank you for the power of this text. And as we spend a couple of weeks on Matthew 19, reminding ourselves of the covenant that we make, of the purpose of marriage being that companionship, and the reality that we have so much power in our marriage to encourage, to love, to equip, to send our spouse out into the world with confidence and love and care at the same time is though we have the power to encourage, we also has the, have the power to discourage. And sometimes uh, those relationships that were meant to last forever become fractured. And in some cases, as you've showed us, shown us in Matthew 19, amputation is necessary to save a life. And I pray right now for all those who are single that they would have heard these messages well and they would file them for the day that they will need to bring them out, that they will remember the importance of remaining pure in their intimacy and sexuality, that they will remember uh, that it is important to find somebody who understands the whole idea of covenant and Christ-centeredness so that when the rough times come, and they will, they will at least have somewhat of a greater chance to hold the marriage together. I thank you and praise you for our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.
You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.